0: and welcome back to the Calorie Deficit University podcast. My name is Alexis. I am the show's host. If you're new here, welcome. Um, Just a little bit about myself. I am a personal trainer and coach primarily online now post COVID. Um, But yeah, I've been doing this for a little bit, Over 10 years now. Um, I've been coaching people since high school. I used to be a swimmer. And um, yeah, so this is what I've been doing long term. And if you are old here, an OG follower, listener, thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. We are on the eve of um, hitting some really crazy numbers of listeners for the podcast. Crazy to me, never thought anyone would care about what I'd have. To say on a little podcast online, um, but here we are reaching from Germany to Australia, um, to Alaska and Mexico, and of course, the United States. But I think that's pretty incredible. If you're looking for more um, content, more free content, I post regularly on TikTok and Instagram, as well as YouTube. Um, so would really appreciate all the, the love and support there. If you want to leave a review, that would be amazing too. So let's hop in to today's episode. That is, I probably inevitably going to be a part one and two, just because of recording lengths and um, my personal emotional bandwidth. As we know, I. Have a hard time recording past an hour. Um, so today's something that has been, um, a big topic of conversation with pretty much all of my clients as of late. There's something in the air. There's something in the season. Um, this time of year is busy. This time of year is overwhelming. Um, and so I'm going to do my due diligence and um, hopefully do justice to the topic at hand, um, because I do believe that it is a very important topic to discuss, um, really get into the nuances, the nooks and crannies of it all. Um, And so that is going to be on emotional eating. Um, And really, how it affects an adherence to a calorie deficit, right? You know, it's it's going to be a little bit of a different episode than what I've done in the past. A lot of people (laughs) traditionally are attracted to what I talk about, and I guess how I talk about this subject of fat loss because. Um, they're maybe obsessed with like this media ridden idea that they could, if they could only have enough motivation or only have enough discipline or only get hyped up enough, then maybe they would be able to lose the weight and that's the missing tool. And so, yes, I'm, I'm your biggest hype woman. I'm your biggest hype beast. I'm your biggest encourager, your number one fan. And, and that is my energy. That is who I am. Um, And who I try to emulate to not only myself, my friends, my family, my community, um, but also all of you guys. Um, And sometimes that can be in the form of accountability, um, that can be in the form of really getting you in front of a mirror and seeing the truth of who you are. um, And that can be painful, right? And so that is where a lot of people come, um, their community of like, oh, like she's hardcore and blah, blah, blah. Yes all of that but this is going to take a little bit of a different tone and I really hope that you continue to listen um because this is all all part of it right like a lot of people think like oh when it gets down to it if I just get disciplined enough motivated enough and then I fail and then I struggle and then I beat myself up and it gets hard and you get defeated and so you seek me out more And it kind of becomes this cycle of not really finding great solutions, um, not really figuring out what is going on with you. And so, yes, I generally try to be very motivating and very positive because like I've said before, the world um, isn't filled with that in abundance. Um, And I try to be honest with you about the realities that you'll face um, because no one in the world cares enough to tell you um, about what you need to hear sometimes, right? Um, no one's coming to save you. But then there is also this other side, um, isn't there? So there's another piece that is missing um, to really fit this complex puzzle we call life. So something that you just can't figure out. Um, you, know, you know, there's something that I'm just missing this last piece to get me across the finish line. And so, we are going to talk about that today emotions, feelings, life. Um, And like I said, some of you who have been listening for a long time will be like, Oh, Alexis, I know I got to stop being a little bitch and get over myself and push through and blah, blah, blah. And while, yes, that may be true for some and true for some some of the time, feelings are real and they have a really, really big impact. And so, what I'm going to talk about today is real and true some of the time too. Um, The reality is, if you don't don't address your feelings or learn how to address your feelings, um, learn how to have power over your own mind, you are always going to struggle. You are always going to be trying to pull yourself up by bootstraps that don't exist. So while I usually try to give the no bullshit answer today, we I'm going to be speaking on compassion, kindness, um, how to be more kind to yourself um, and ultimately better yourself because sometimes we need that too. And also, I hope that today you find that this isn't like anyone else's content out there, um, just because I have t- really tried to intentionally curate it to be radically different. Um, there are lots of people telling you to love yourself more, forgive yourself more, but they aren't really giving you the tools to do so, and they really just are trying to give you a free pass to just lap in your feelings and let them roll you over, which is not what I'm going to be encouraging either, because that's not helpful. And that's just not what we're going to do. Um, because we do still have to take radical accountability and responsibility for our actions. Um, and it doesn't mean that we just love ourselves to laziness. Um, we need to love ourselves to health. So even if you think that you don't struggle with emotional eating You'd be foolish to think that some of you, that you wouldn't struggle this in the future or that none of this would apply to you because it does. Anyone on the face of the earth who has feelings um, should listen to this podcast. So all of you, um, you know, life happens and it is very helpful to be prepared instead of reactionary, right? So hopefully this can give you some tools to be prepared. If you don't struggle with this now, you may struggle with it in the future, Um, You know, preparing your heart, your mind, your soul to be healthy and productive is much better than to just sit back and let life take you over. So what is emotional eating? Sorry, like, have you seen that meme? Emotional damage? Um, No. What is emotional eating? Basically, really cut and dry. It's using food as a way to suppress or soothe negative emotion. So Basically, what happens is people don't regulate their emotions. (laughs) They don't even pay attention to fight or flight or anything that's going on with them internally. And then they reach for food as a way to just ignore or suppress that negative emotion. It could even be positive emotion, right? Some people binge on a holiday or a vacation um, because they have even underlying issues uh, revolving around experiencing positive emotion. Maybe they don't deserve um, or they have that belief that they don't deserve to experience positive emotion or don't deserve to go on vacation or anything like that. So um, you could eat emotionally whether you notice it or not. Most people are not intentionally aware or it's painful to address and be aware of it largely because it revolves around guilt and shame with eating because they have this fundamental belief that um, what they're doing is wrong or bad. And that is basically a reflection of themselves and their self-worth, right? So there are different types of emotional eating and reasons as to why we emotionally eat. And we are going to break all of that down throughout the podcast and give you real practical, logical solutions to that. So, main question is why is understanding emotional eating important? Like why should we even focus on it, Alexis? Like I'm just going to solve this with discipline. I'm going to white knuckle this out. Well, you can't because it's all connected. Why is it so hard to lose weight when you're an emotional eater? The act of eating food is a trigger. That is why it's really, really hard. And you need to eat food to live, right? So when someone struggles with drugs or alcohol you take away that trigger you take away that those environmental triggers you know sometimes it goes hand in hand eating and drinking or um, drinking and eating or having a cigarette and drinking or maybe it's a friend that when you're involved in that environment right whatever it may be with other issues you can remove yourself from that environment you can take away the drug take away the alcohol Whatever it may be, take away the nicotine and things get better. With tools and mechanisms, they get solved because the triggers generally are what you have to address to take away, um, to solve those issues. But food in itself is the trigger for a lot of emotional eating. And it's like this cycle of cir- a circular, um, triggering that goes on and on and on because you have fundamental beliefs that generally aren't true that make you maybe restrict heavily and then binge, or maybe you have all these situational things going on in your life that you don't address. And then you eat, and that is a trigger for you. So you eat more because you feel guilty about eating and it triggers you even further. And so those are real, real triggers, real things. Um, and want to validate and give space to that. Um, I really don't like when people misuse triggers like a PTSD trigger, an anxiety trigger, emotional responses are all valid. Um, a food trigger, um, maybe like a childhood issue there as well. Those are real. Be careful with your language, I would say, when you are saying, oh, that triggers me or I can't. I, I hear it a lot of like, well, I can't do that because it triggers me. Very rarely do I see that as actually true. Um, and it's usually something else, which we'll continue to discuss, but we can't take away food from you because it is literally the thing that you need to eat, um, to live, to have to live. So we have to figure out different tools. So, I'm going to walk you through a common situation in a minute when it comes to emotional eating. Um, So like trigger warning, um, emotional eating, uh, or anything like that. If you struggle and don't want to listen, time to shut off because we're about to get really deep dive, dive in there. So um, big girl party, big big boy party for sure right now. Um, so when it comes to for most people who would self-identify and say that they quote unquote struggle with food are emotional eaters. Why? Because they look at food beyond its caloric importance to live. So they deem food as powerful. Um, they say it can make you feel better. It can make you sad. It can make you fat. It can make you hate yourself. It has a lot of power to people who self-identify as emotional eaters or to have a tendency to emotionally eat. And if you spend the majority of your life looking at food as the reason as to why you're ugly or fat or not worthy to function in society or not be loved, then you are going to have a really fucking hard time eating. And, and you, like I said, you have to eat three times a day for the most, most part, right? So every time you eat or think about eating or shopping, there are lots of instances throughout the majority of your mundane life that you're going to be really, really upset and triggered. And that is going to take up a fuck ton of mental space to the point where it feels way, way, way too overwhelming. So why is this so hard? Well, normally if you, like I said, had someone who was an addict or someone who struggled with maybe like body image or anxiety, you'd say, take away the thing that's causing the issue, the drug, the mirror, the scale, the situation you're facing in life, but you can't take away food. So like I said, we have to find tools that better suit us. It is really important to understand. And I I really want you to hear me in this and I'm trying to articulate as well as I can, because I don't want to fuck this up, (laughs) but I really want you to understand that generally you are not the problem. Yes, we have personal responsibility when it comes to our health, but what you need to understand is that you are a normal human being with feelings and emotions who from a young age has been marketed and molded and taught to consume some way to fix those feelings. That is the society we live in. Maybe it's shopping, drinking, smoking, exercise, binge watching TV, binge eating, whatever it may be. We as a society generally don't value addressing our feelings and finding tools to help us get better. And that is in gendered people, non-gendered people, men, women, non-binary, that is every single person. You're not uh, able to escape that situation, right? So When we pair that with our fucked up food environment, you have an obesity epidemic. And so no wonder we're struggling. So we really need to validate that our current task ahead is a really challenging one. And it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of time to undo. So Grace, great place to start is to stop judging yourself, stop judging others, stop putting yourself through the guilt and shame hellscape, um, and really, really accept that food is not an enemy. Food does not have feelings. Food does not have power over you. We just need to start to change our mindset around food and our food environment. And additionally, how we treat ourselves, how we talk to ourselves about ourselves when we look in the mirror. Um, because that is, Is a big determiner of the success that you're going to have in living a healthy life. I've talked a lot about the different tools you need to overcome your current food environment, so I'm not going to talk about that today. I I recently did a very comprehensive um, podcast episode on the three big identifiers of um, like changing um like the big stressors, right? So you got our current food environment, situational um stress, and then and like situational occurrences and then behavioral. Those are the three things that need to be addressed. So, I've talked a lot about the emotional or sorry, I've talked a lot about the environmental stuff and how to change that. Um I've t- and today we're talking about the emotional stuff. Um I can't really Talk to speak to the situational stuff because it's going to be different for everyone. Um, but this emotional stuff can apply to the situational factor as well. So, we are going to talk through that, right? Talk through the emotional stuff. Um, and if you want to know about how to address your current food environment and overcome that, go to previous episodes. So, the number one topic um to address is self-hatred big time um so how you talk to yourself matters um i it's a very complicated topic because i think people talk to themselves with a lot of hate and they don't realize it, especially women. And it's not like a conscious voice in your head, but it's just in the very mundane aspects of how you treat yourself, how, what you actually think about yourself, um, and and how that affects your everyday life. So there's been this previous big boom in self-love and self-care, but I don't think that that movement has provided the right solutions that people are really looking for like um, you know journaling is great going to therapy is great but like it can't just stop there so like while taking a day to treat yourself is great it doesn't solve the root of the issue self-talk really addressing the fundamental baseline of who you believe you are, what you actually think about yourself. Um, you know, what do you say to yourself when you look in the mirror, when you're pulling up your pants and you catch a glimpse in a store window, what does the baseline say? You know, how do you look at yourself? If you tend to talk negatively about yourself, it always leads into food and body image for both men, women, and non, um, non-gender non-binary people. It just, does and that's just it 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 does because of the world that we live in um, because of how we've been treated and talked to and generationally you know parents have not educated one another their children on any of this it's just not something that we've had collective data on until of recent um, the right tools it's it just not something that people are very aware of and there there's like this also rhetoric that having feelings makes you a wuss, makes you weak, um, you know, addressing it makes you weak or a wuss. I personally think it makes you really strong um, to have radical control of your feelings, radical control of your baseline, being like, no, that's not true. Um, having incredible peace to the point where something that maybe goes out of your control or you know is shocking or throws a wrench in your day does not cause you to de- like demolish detonate that's the word I was detonate into oblivion of an anxiety mess that is not sustainable that is not a good way to live and like no fucking wonder you're not being successful with anything that you're doing of course, um, you have to address this area. So like I said, the world is a really cruel place already. So you don't need to add to the cruelty, um, that you already experienced by putting yourself through more of it. You, you need to be kind to yourself and being kind to yourself is also like catching yourself when you're being a lazy little bitch. That's both, both is true. The reality is like being kind to yourself can look like a lot of different things. Like I said, it can be holding yourself accountable to your shit, to your laziness, but it can also look like giving yourself some much needed grace and breathing room and being like, okay, instead of just bopping through life, being like, why do I want to have a lazy day? You know, is the weather bad? Am I about to start my period? Did I fuck up my diet yesterday and I didn't get enough protein or maybe my sleep was restless? Hmm. What am I stressed about? Like being reflective about your life, being reflective about what is going on and how can I improve my existence rather than, okay, Alexa said only a calorie deficit and a calorie deficit is the only thing that works. And if I do X and I do the Z and I do the Y and it doesn't work. And then I give up after 30 days because like, fuck this, take a breath. It's not going to happen overnight. And stress is a major factor to why people really, really struggle with adherence to a calorie deficit. So most people try and try and try and try and put themselves through hell only to real yield no results at all. So I've talked about this a lot. Most people try to do 150% and they go way too hard in the paint and they go and way too restrictive and try to do way too much. And they add, in addition to that, all those things based on their value. Well, if I can't do that, I'm a fuck up. If I can't do that, I'm never going to have the body I want. If I can't do that, I'm never going to feel good. And their success in weight loss is based on how well they do those things. And if they fail once, you're they're done. Because why? Well, doing 150% is impossible And so they give up before they've even started because they've set themselves up for failure because these crazy standards are crazy in the first place. So like I said, you'd be much better off being consistent with 80, 90% and being satisfied and patient for the long-term and not feel like a failure. And I think a lot of people, this is where I will say the accountability part comes in. A lot of people feel like they're putting in 150% but because they've got this fuck it mentality all in and all out they're actually only 50% of the time so yes that is where the truth comes in of if you're not being consistent enough then no you're not going to see results and if you're not letting it be enough time then no you're not going to see results personally for me, and I'll post it on my story um, because I'm in a specific goal for a calorie deficit now too. I'm with all of you. Um, So if you want to see daily stuff, I'm posting daily stuff of my calorie deficit. I physically have a note tracker on my phone with a green check mark for days, like literally with a calendar, green check mark for days that I'm on track And a big ass X for days that I'm not on track because I am literally that much of a baby. I'm literally, and if you find that offensive, sorry, it's not meant to be offensive. It's, I need that radical accountability with myself to physically see on a calendar, on a schedule, no bitch, you, you did three days of consistency. You're fucking fine. You're going to be good just keep going. Take it a day at a time. I literally have to do that every single morning as obsessed as I am with the gym, as obsessed as I am with food, healthy food and nutrition and nutrition science as obsessed as I am with getting outside and walking, even with being literally obsessed to the point where I've made this my entire life business and existence. I still have to get up in the morning, look at my progress and say, no, bitch, you've got this. Because why? Because I'm a fucking human being. That's why. Okay? So take a breath and just take it day by day. If you need to track day by day to know if you're being consistent or not, then do it. I know my eyes lie to me. I know my brain lies to me. I know that when I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, you look like shit. That is not the truth (laughs) because I have the data. I have the numbers. Okay. I have the accountability to remind me that my brain will lie to me. My brain will try to trick me because that's just how it goes. So let's break down that all in all out mentality. Um, and this is where I said that trigger warning earlier. Um, because I don't know it, it might make you feel stressed or overwhelmed to kind of go through this story. So this whole all in, all out mentality really stems from people being super like honestly lazy with the process um, and wanting to speed up the process and saying like, well, if it doesn't come now, I don't want it. Like how American of you, honestly, (laughs) like how, Oh, like that is not... Um, like anything else in the world, patience is such a unique practice that we all need more of. Um, you have to accept that there are going to be no short cuts or quick fixes. You didn't gain 20 pounds in two days. You're not going to lose it in two days. You, d- you didn't even gain 20 pounds in probably four months. It's been over years and years. So you have to commit to trying to win each and every single day. Like I said, I literally treat myself like a toddler and say, Alexis, look at your progress. Look at how far you've come. You're fine. You're doing great because th- th- that my worst enemy, myself, gets after me. So I'm going to walk you through a lot of that all in and all out mentality right now. Um, so little story, you start off the day bummed out because the scale didn't move as much as you wanted it to. But no worries because you know it takes time and you're just doing fine, doing your best. You do really well eating all day long. You have a great breakfast like you planned on having. You did your workout and maybe even got an extra walk in. You ate your packed lunch like you promised yourself you would and you had a snack and you get home. But your sick mother calls you to talk about her new hip pain that she has, and it's really bothering her. And so you take on a little bit of that emotional load for her and calm her down and get her back to reality and her new base or her baseline. Your son is throwing up from having something bad he ate earlier at school. And now you're worried, maybe is it something he ate or is it going to make everyone else in the house sick? And it's the stomach flu going around. So you take on that emotional load, you help your son feel better, put him into bed and try and make sure that the rest of the kids are not going to get sick as well. Your older daughter got back a bad grade on a test that popped up on the online grading and she needs consoling. She's trying to get into her favorite university and she needs specific grades. And this is really going to tank her success. You console her Take that emotional load on and get her back to baseline because one grade isn't going to set you back on getting into the university you want to get to. You tell her it's the consistency, babe. It's the day in and day out. You're doing great and you're just fine. You take a deep breath, looking at the dishes in the sink, wondering, hmm, should I do this? Maybe there's laundry that needs to be done. (sighs) Did I take out the dogs? I did. Your spouse comes busting through the door at 6pm and is worried about something at work and you're having a hard time finishing up the dinner dishes and handing them a plate because, oh well, you realize you forgot a key ingredient at the store for dinner tomorrow. And you say, fuck it. You can't do it anymore. You don't want the dinner that you made. Or maybe... You forgot the key ingredient for tonight's dinner. So you say, fuck it. And you order a pizza. And you normally wouldn't be bothered by this because all of the additional sp- stress you've had and remembered earlier that the scale didn't even move anyway. So why does it fucking matter, right? You can't do anything. But why are you bothered by it now? So instead of having two slices and some salad... You go at it, you finish all of the pizza, you have some chips too, maybe some cookies and you s- decide to dig into the box of chocolates, maybe a taste of ice cream. And later that night, you're still kind of hungry because you didn't eat any protein or fiber for dinner and go back for some chips and a PB and j and finish the night off with some milk to wash it down. You feel the guilt and shame rolling in. You go to bed with a pain in your gut, both from the food and the realization that you'll have to face tomorrow and do it all over again, not addressing any stress that you were bombarded with earlier. You wake up the next morning and the scale is up. Cue panic. This doesn't work. Ticker tapes across your mind. You shove down that feeling and you try your best to go about your day. You have some breakfast and realize that you forgot Your lunch because you were going to have leftover dinner from the night before, but you had pizza instead. Already bothered by your stressful vortex that you have been in since the day prior, you order lunch with the office. Instead of making a regular choice that you would make that would help you feel better, like some grilled chicken salad, you go all in. You say, I'm going to have a burger with an extra large side of fries and I want the regular Coke today. You get home feeling hungry and sluggish with the stress from yesterday and your shitty lunch, and all the stress comes piling in that you still haven't addressed. So you make a sandwich for dinner and slop on the couch for three hours until bed. Wake up, and it goes again until you feel really down about the lack of progress that you've made, so you muster up the strength to get back to it for Thursday and Friday where you're completely and totally 100% on. You have your breakfast and pack lunch and prep dinner because you finally got all the ingredients you needed and got back on track and it was delicious and satisfying and you got two workouts in and even an additional walk and you even denied yourself the one little chocolate that you wanted on Friday evening and the one serving of chips that you wanted during lunch on Thursday but Saturday is here and you already had plans to go out. And so another wrench of guilt is thrown at you. So fuck Sunday too, because Monday's right around the corner, right? So you can just have a clean slate then, but on Monday you wake up and the scale is the same. And so you wonder what's the hard work worth anyway? I can't fucking do this. So you're out. So what would happen if you just tried your very best with every choice that you get faced with? What if every time you eat, you said, I'm going to try my best to eat protein and fiber and enjoy my meal? What if you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, even though I might not feel beautiful or feel sexy or feel hot right now in this moment, I'm going to choose to tell myself I am even though i'm not perfect and even though this is taking longer than it wants want than i want it to i'm going to choose to tell myself that i need to be patient you have to accept that life is beyond full of failure weight loss and trying to do better and be healthier is going to be full of what you deem as failures you may feel like you are going to fail accept it, accept those feelings and challenge them, challenge yourself to do better each day and it will get better a little bit at a time. So although I kind of fucked up the story in in between, but you kind of get the gist of what I'm trying to paint the picture of, do you see The patterns of your life? Do you see the patterns of the things that you let spin out of control? And in the story, you only had really two days of consistency and you had three days of overeating. That's not going to get you where you want to go. Versus if you just had a little bit more grace and you said, wow today has been really stressful on that one day let's have a pizza enjoy our time together as a family talk together collectively as a group address our feelings and tomorrow is what it is you'd have a much better day a much better success rate um in trying to just breathe and slow down in life a little bit so you know really diving deep into what's the problem here in the story that I just spewed out. And honestly, there's so, so much to unpack like a lot. Um, and I want to figure out where I can split this episode well. Um, but we will just start. Um, you have to actively address the root cause. You have to get with yourself and figure out what is the root cause for you. For some people, it might be fear. It might be laziness. It might be something that happened to you in childhood that brings you back every time you try to diet or do something to improve your health. Um, I will give you a personal example about myself because it's the internet, right? And uh, we're all oversharing these days. Um, but for me, it wasn't until probably this year that I realized that I had really struggled with, um, anorexia at a time. I, and even the thought of thinking about having to diet for a long time really gave me a lot of anxiety. Um, so I personally set out on a mission to fix that feeling. And so the, the way I fixed that was doing a bulk um, and taking a year off of training and doing a horrible, miserable corporate job. But that's another story for another day. Um, I, I did the exact opposite of what was terrifying to me. I told my brain, you can have food, see, there's enough. And you can use that food and additional body fat for a purpose and put on some muscle. Um, and then you're going to go into a deficit and you're going to be okay because it's healthy this time and for a purpose to reveal all of those pretty muscles that you built. And guess what? The deficit isn't forever and you're going to bulk again and then cut again. And then you're probably just going to maintain and exist then forever. And so see how I'm rewriting the story that I've been telling myself by rewriting it with the truth I'm level setting what is actually real with myself because those are real fears that I faced. I feared eating 1400 calories a day again, again, in context for me at the time when I was eating 1400 calories a day, um, every single day I would have a mission of at least I had to do at least one hour of walking and then I had to do at least 90 minutes of strength training so that I could see at least a thousand calories burned on my Apple watch, all arbitrary bullshit that I just made agreements with myself deals with myself of if I, if I only do this, if I only do this, if I only do this, then I will finally, and the resolution there was, I wasn't, I will finally be happy. It was, I will finally be happy with my body. I will finally like who I am or like what I see when I look in the mirror. And I did. I lost a lot of weight and I was not happy when I looked in the mirror. When I looked in the mirror, I thought I was morbidly obese. I literally looked in the mirror and 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 still saw this person that was just not there. I was wearing, like I said, clothes from middle school. And I still, it wasn't enough. And I, I wasn't realizing it in the moment. I didn't feel anorexic in the moment. I was still coaching at the time. I was, I was doing way, way too much and just oblivious, totally blindsided to my own behavior and how I was treating myself. And so I really had to deal with my shit. I had to deal with body image. I had to remind myself that... I'm really bad at seeing myself for the truth in the mirror. And I talked, when I talk to my clients, I call this the mind fuck. (laughs) Um, because especially like for women, it's a mind fuck when I hear them say something about their body or even, you know, being like, even though I've lost weight and I've made progress, anything after that, I say, Oh, that's a mind fuck right there. And I don't I try to not even let them get it out <laughs> and remind them of the truth of like, no, but you have made progress and you have done this and you are doing that. And so what is the root cause there? Um ultimately putting too much value in the scale and in what you think you want to look like. Um, because a lot of people are not realistic with how they actually can look. A a lot of people, when you look on social media, you only see people at their very, very best, which we know that, but it psychologically messes with you because when you look at yourself, you don't see your best. You, you are in bad lighting at home. Um, you know, you're not seeing the best version of yourself with a whole crew, um, because that's not your life. That's not, um, sustainable or reasonable for you. I think that the scale is probably the biggest mindfuck out there. Um, You know, I've talked a lot about the scale. So simply, I will say the scale wouldn't matter so much if you were already happy with the body that you were in. Um, I'll say that again. Okay. The scale wouldn't matter so much if you were already happy with the body that you're in. Your body is your vessel that's going to carry you through life and so even before you try to lose weight, you need to live in it and love it. And the sooner you start to do that, the, the better you will feel, the much better you will feel and the much more you'll want to take care of the vessel you're in. Um, you know, the scale can tell us a lot. It's, it's great. Um, it's just some data though and you don't need to put all your value in it, and you don't need to hate it or get frustrated at it when it doesn't go the direction you want it to go. It generally doesn't tell us just how successful you are at what you're doing day to day for fat loss. That's just the truth. So again, self-talk, getting better at talking to yourself more positively is is very very important. Most of the time, um, you can stop yourself from spiraling, spiraling like this person did in in the story. It, it could have stopped at the scale with a little pep talk. The scale doesn't matter much; it's just a number. I'll stick to my plan, and it will go down eventually. Reaching out to coach, you know, saying thank you scale for your data. Now goodbye. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Um, or just avoiding the scale and taking body measurements. Another thing um, is that life gets away from us being prepared. So in the story that I kind of fucked up telling, um, (laughs) they forgot an ingredient for dinner, right? And it continued to go off the rails even further. So not being prepared is one of the biggest things that I see people fail in. Um, You know, the world is already prepped and ready for you to choose convenience, um because that's literally how our society is supposed like is designed to function they're waiting for you to choose it um so you have to be hyper vigilant and prepared with meals um that you love and snacks and things that will help you succeed and crush your hunger and i the only thing that i will put here that's kind of not negative but mom womp, womp, is I don't know what happened. Like we became so obsessed with convenience. I, my mom was, I remember was a single mom, two kids, full-time physician, um, professor, chief of anesthesiology. And I mean, we prepped our meals. Like we had, we went grocery shopping, we prepped like busy lady, busy busy lady um, we were in full-blown sports both me and my brother full-on academic like tutoring the whole nine yards like busy busy busy. I remember f- we would get up like at 445 five o'clock to go to swim in the mornings and we figured it out like I think my life was busier then as a kid doing swim with a single parent than it is now. Seriously. And there's much more convenience now than there was then. Um, I just think we've, as a society, kind of become accustomed to, well, yeah, I'm going to watch my three hours of shows. Duh. But like meal prepping couldn't be me. (sighs) And I just want to challenge that you are going to have to cook for, for yourself. That is not like a new... New thing like this is a that is a modern problem. I I mean, for thousands upon thousands, uh, arguably, I guess, billions of years, human existence has always cooked for themselves. (laughs) That is just it. Um, We are just the most. Bombarded, we've ever been with media, with convenience, with everything is trying to grab our attention. And so you have to change your environment. If it means canceling, you're like, you're not going to miss out on the shows. It, it's really not going to enrich your life. Like, just cancel it. I literally had to be very, very aware of that. I will tell you about a like seven months ago, I would literally sit and watch TV and not even realize it. And I had to put Little again, treating myself like the baby that I am, the toddler that I am. I put timers on my phone. I put, Hey, you've been on TikTok too long. I, we don't, the only TV that we watch is, um, The Last of Us right now, and that's it. And like, once that's over, succession, the new season is gonna come, and that's it. So we do like one show at a time, um, one episode a week. My husband watches way more TV though, because he <laughs> likes it, but. I used to watch a shit ton of TV too. And I stopped, had to, if I was going to get the things done that I need to get done. And I can tell you, I don't miss it. I don't, I sleep much better. I'm less wanting. I'm more patient. I go outside more. I have more time to cook, more time to plan, more time to do work. Seriously, you need to have to adjust your priorities You have to expect that things are not going to go perfectly. Um, You know, most people who are trying their best to get healthy think that they have to do this like, oh, so perfect. And they tell themselves, if you aren't perfect, this won't work. But that just simply isn't the case. Um, Like I said, you're going to feel like you're failing, but you're not failing. You're not. Any effort, any amount of effort means that you're still in the game and you're not giving up. So you have to try to be consistent rather than perfect. Addressing your emotions. Okay. You have to stop making emotional decisions. There comes a point where you have to dictate your actions and you have to figure out how to get locked down on those emotional responses. If you constantly let your emotional Uh, response, dictate your actions. You're always going to feel guilty and have regret later on. You, you do have to enter the driver's seat to get you in the right direction. So in this story that I said, I gave the person. I gave the person, um, that I gave, um, the person didn't even stop to take a breath or a moment to be in tune. What was happening to them And they just let it bump them around. Like most people just bump around through life, letting anything and all the things happen to them. And that isn't going to get you success that you're looking for. You have to address your emotions and make boundaries to succeed. One of the biggest lessons that I think I finally started putting into action now is saving yourself first because I was like born and raised bred to be a people pleaser, a servant to society and my family. Um, and that doesn't work. It doesn't. No one is actually like that concerned about you. So you have to be super concerned about you. (laughs) I find that especially for women and moms, um, we are expected to be the emotional caregivers for everyone around us. And we really do have to save ourselves. Um, and that not in a selfish way, that doesn't mean you ignore your children, ignore your spouse, ignore your responsibilities, but the reality is you cannot give from an empty cup. And so you have to fill yours up. You, you just do, um, And sometimes that means putting yourself first. And that can mean, like I said, not watching TV, making those hard decisions that feel really hard. But like, what a modern problem to have of like, oh, I need to do less of this luxury thing so that I can actually like cook for myself and cook meals for myself. That's icky feeling a little, if you really get down to it, like, oh man, I have to, put boundaries on my phone so that I actually go to sleep in my bed that has a roof on it in my coziness. Mm. When you start to view it like that, it seems like I said, I will own it to myself. I'm a baby. It seems a little baby behavior, right? Of like, mm, when I get down to it, And I do hate the sentiment of like, we all have 24 hours in a day. No, everyone has a different 24 hours in a day, but there's time in existence, right? And we can all prioritize better. Okay. So positive mindset practice. I used to be like, gross on that. Like my mom would be like, you need to practice Mindfulness and perspective, and having a better outlook on life. I used to be like, no, boo that's gross. But she's right. Haha. Need a mom in our lives. So like I said earlier, most people just go through life letting it happen to them, um, and they let their mind wander and take them wherever their mind goes. So you have to learn vigilant, <laughs> very, very vigilant, active control over your thoughts, and learn how to talk to yourself more positively um, making solid plans and sticking to them as best you can. A lot of people make these really fucking great plans. They make great meal plans. They work out like they hire someone like me, I help you make a really good plan. And then they never stick to them, even with the accountability, never stick to them. So you can make all the plans and preparations, but if you don't stand firm in the carrying out of those decisions then nothing will ever get accomplished ever. Um, Yeah. Like I said, you'd be better off doing 80% than thinking you're doing 100% when what you're doing actually really ends up being 50%. I, I talked about this now twice in just this episode. So like most people put themselves through literal hell to try and achieve that 110%, 100% only to completely fall off the rat wagon and undo all of that work in two days on the weekend. And so it would be much better to set reasonable expectations for yourself, um, in areas that, you know, you can uh, in, improve and be 80% consistent and see how much progress you have in that time, but you have to be patient with that. Right. So like, for example, if you are completely sedentary, you wouldn't want to say, "Oh, I'm going to go from literally never I not working out um to I'm going to ramp up to 3 days of strength training a week with daily walking 10,000 steps." Like that's ridiculous. You no, you wouldn't do that because you know there's no way that you would reasonably be able to maintain that because that's a big fucking jump. So what you'd ideally do is just start with walking, and you wouldn't even start with ten thousand steps a day because you're only getting three, maybe, and you'd start with all right, maybe let's just double it. Let's try to get to six thousand steps a day because that's that's literally still doubling your daily movement. I think people think that this health life has to look so extreme, measuring every single morsel, every crumb. Um, I, it's not the, if you want to have a physique, that's 90% better than most people doing daily movement and just mindful portion control and eating whole foods will, will get you there. You're, you have to accept that. Like, you're not going to look like a bodybuilder because you aren't one. You're not probably going to even look like a personal trainer because you aren't one and you aren't living that lifestyle. Yes. Yes maybe I am extreme. No one's asking you to be like me. You have to be like you and figure out what works for your life because your life is not my life. Your life is not the person on Instagram's life that you see. Your life is your life. And so thinking that you're going to have anything else but your life and the results from it is quite indeed foolish. So we're at about an hour mark here. Um, so we will do the part two in the next episode, and that's where we're really going to get um, into the the real solutions and dirt and getting down deep and dirty. So we've set the scene um, for emotional eating and kind of started to talk through those different topics and what people really face. And next episode is going to be about the big time monumental solutions. So we'll, we'll tune in. I'm going to post it back to back, I think, because I don't want you to have to wait. Um, I think these are both really, really important episodes um, to have in your toolbox. So you'll get that as well. Thanks for tuning in.